Good morning, Elevate Church. We are so excited for today. Me and Jess were not here today, but you are in good hands. We got a couple of amazing staff members that are gonna speak today, and we know you're gonna grow in your relationship with Jesus. Right now, coming to the stage, we have one of our very favorite people on staff, and it is Jeanette Prince. We met Matt and Jeanette Prince a little over a year ago, and it was one of those moments when I shook Matt's hand, I knew these people were special. I knew that these people were gonna be a part of what Elevate Church was doing. I knew that the Holy Spirit was saying, these people have an anointing and a grace on their life, and I've sent them to Elevate Church to be a blessing and to help us. And we are so incredibly grateful for Matt and Jeanette Prince. And we believe that Jeanette has a calling and a gift on her life. And so I want you to get so loud, clap, cheer, and let's give it up for Jeanette Prince. Good morning, I am so honored to be here today. Before we get started, I'm also shaking, so let's put that aside. <laughs> Would you pray with me before we get started? Heavenly Father, I pray today that the words that Pastor Deja and I have change hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. We are gonna get started right off the bat in Luke chapter seven, starting in verse 36. And it says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Verse 37, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her, hair, with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who, who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered and said, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave both of the debts. Now, which of them will love him more? Verse 43, Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me water for my feet, but you wet my feet with your tears and wiped them with her and she wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured oil on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Verse 48, then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. So what do we know about this woman? We know that she is from the city of Bethany, so where Jesus was at the time, so she traveled within the city. We know that she was a sinner, most likely a Harlow and known as such. She entered the house of a Pharisee uninvited and she had the knowledge that Jesus was going to be there. 
She used her tears to oil and wash, to oil and anoint, she used her tears and oil to wash and anoint the feet of Jesus. And we know that she was forgiven of her sins and Jesus confirms this. So then there's just some things that we can assume. So maybe she was wealthy or she had saved the oil over time. Maybe she had she already known Jesus and had encountered him previously, which gave her the confidence to enter the house of the Pharisee. Maybe she had only heard of what was possible through him, and that was enough to motivate her to enter the house. But then there are some things that we don't know or things that we can't easily assume, but we can learn if we dig just a little bit deeper. And there are two things that this woman brought with her. The first one is the oil, which is obvious. The second one isn't so obvious, but she also brought with her her faith. You see, she came with the oil. She didn't get there and say, anybody got some oil? She even made the decision before she entered the house as to how she was going to use the oil. She had faith that what she was about to do was going to be recognized by Jesus. As a result, her faith gave her the boldness to enter the house despite what anyone would say and at the risk of her social status. Somehow, she knew what Jesus could offer her and what that oil couldn't, and that is because of her faith. When we focus on this woman, there's several things that we can see. Her eyes provided tears to wash his feet. And given her being known as a Harlow, those are the exact same eyes that willingly saw sin coming in and out. She used her hair to wipe his feet, and that exact same hair was probably used in a sensual way formally. Her lips, once used for sinful purposes, are now affectionately used, and she perfumed his feet with oil. That same oil was probably used to scent a room or herself in her previous life. And she walked in the house, she walked in a room uninvited just to worship Jesus. That same gesture of walking in a room with strangers was familiar to her. But what does this mean? This woman made the decision before she came. She came with her faith and that faith came with other things. And you should write these things down. It came with deep humility. It came with complete surrender, and it came with a willingness to honor the only one that could make all of her past right. She brought everything used for bad and sinful purposes to the literal feet of Jesus so that he could make all of those things new and good. This is what faith does. It gives us courage to keep going. It gives us courage to push forward. It gives us courage to build upon something so that we can allow Jesus to work in us. What was important to everyone else in that room, which was the value of the oil, was no longer of value to her. Nothing that she brought with her was of value to her anymore besides her faith. And this created a shift in her focus. Her focus was shifted to praising Jesus for what he was offering her. The weight of her sins was gone and she could leave in peace because peace was given and all things once used for bad and sinful purposes were now made good. Romans 8.28 says this, 
And we know that all things work together for the good. Do you know that that's where we often stop in that verse? We think, oh, God's got it. God will make it work. He works all things for the good. But we forget if we aren't activating our faith and trusting him completely that he can't work. The remainder of that verse says this. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, this is faith. Faith is loving God while coming with an expectant heart and trusting the outcome. But how? I get it. How? And I believe believe verse 45 in this story tells us, and it says, you did not kiss, you did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. The answer is we wait on him. You see, she arrived before Jesus, not knowing what she was going to do, but not even sure if he was going to show up. This woman's response upon learning where Jesus was came without hesitation. But she had faith and she was expectant. Her actions upon Jesus entering the room demonstrate her complete comprehension of her sins and her complete reverence for her Savior. If we aren't willing to approach the throne of God with deep humility, complete surrender, and a willingness to honor Jesus in his will, How can he work for us? Now, do I think that when she walked away that she regretted walking into that house and breaking that oil? No. I think that she walked away saying, that was risky, but it was worth it. Because this time, walking away from a house was unlike any other walk she's ever known. And have you ever done something that you felt pulled by God to do, but it was a huge leap of faith? This woman risked everything walking into that house and she walked out ready to move forward for God's will in her life because of her faith. So how does this relate to you and me? I appreciate that Luke calls out that this woman was called a sinner because it places you and me in this story. We're all sinners. We all desire to know our purpose. We all have a need to know the peace that Jesus offers. We all have a desire to dig deeper and understand his purpose for us more. The question becomes, are we willing to take the risk? The Pharisees saw this woman as a nobody. And don't we sometimes view ourselves that way? Sometimes we're like, I'm just a nobody, a little old me, that can never happen to me. But in this story, we know that Jesus thinks differently. Verse 47 says, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love is shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Her faith resulted in her forgiveness, which produced a deep love. And if we take a look at John 3, 16, it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, but whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. And I know what you're thinking. We use John 3, 16 to tell people about Jesus, and you're right. But this isn't just for the unbeliever. This is also for you and for me. Do you know that the opposite of the word nobody The opposite of the word nobody is anyone, someone, everyone, everybody, somebody, anybody, 
and whoever. When we stop believing the lie that we are just nobodies, our faith is activated, we receive God's forgiveness, our love for Jesus deepens, and we can experience Jesus on a whole new level. Our constant pursuit of building our faith step by step results in deep humility, complete surrender, a willingness to follow God's will, and it grows our love for Jesus. Now I'm gonna tell you a story. When I was a freshman in college, my college boyfriend broke up with me, and I was devastated. <laughs> I cried every day, sobbing for four weeks straight. I exhausted anybody who would listen to me in my breakup story. Until finally one day, my roommate and one of my very best friends said, I'm done listening to you cry. I don't wanna hear about it anymore. And I was like, well, that's harsh, but she's right. And so I said, so I said a prayer and I said, Lord, if you want us to be together, make it happen. And I was done crying. But I also should point out two things. I was a girl who went to Ohio State and wasn't making the wisest decisions. Sorry, Dad. I also, um, um, I also was at one of the lowest points that I had, and I find it no coincidence that just the summer before, I had been to church camp learning about the power of prayer. Would you know that one week later after that prayer, that boyfriend reached out and said, I wanna talk? And against the opinion of my friends and of my family who no longer trusted him, I went. We dated for another two years, and he broke up with me again. And this time it was a different breakup. I didn't have friends. I had friends, but I had lost some friends. My family didn't want to hear about it. I didn't even tell them. And I cried a lot to myself, but I knew what I had prayed. And one day I was in the car with my dad and we passed this boyfriend in, in the, on the street. And I said, oh, look, there he is. And my dad said, how do you not know where he is? I said, well, we broke up. He said, why aren't you crying? And I said, oh, I've had my fair share of tears, but dad, there are things that, the, that he has to figure out that I have already figured out. But one day, I will marry that boy. And would you know that not only have those friendships been restored, but this November, I will be married to that boy for 16 years. Now, I'm not comparing my story anything to what this woman experienced, but I will say this. I was at one of the lowest points in my life. I knew what was possible through Jesus. And taking that second conversation with him was risky, but it was worth it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these people listening to me today, and I pray that you help us to walk out different than we are today. In Jesus' name, amen.
so excited for you to hear from this next person, Pastor Adesia. We have known her for such a long time. She got saved in our youth group at Living Word in Dayton, Ohio a long time ago. And she has just been so faithful throughout the years, serving in so many different ways and capacities. But she is our kids pastor, and she is our amazing kids pastor, changing students' lives, changing kids' lives. And we are so honored to have her a part of our staff. And I'm really so excited for you to hear from her today and just see the dynamic growth and the amazing speaker she is. So come on, get real loud, get real crazy for Pastor Adesia. Jeanette did so good. Okay, let's just point that out, all right? Um, I honestly am just so thankful for this opportunity because I love coming uh, like back here. I, or I'm usually in kids, obviously, so I love getting to see your face and getting to talk to you and getting to be here. So yeah, I'm so excited. Okay, so I am jumping into the same story, okay? And it is such a um, special intimate story in the Bible. And uh, we were praying about like a few months ago that we were, had this opportunity. And the Lord kind of brought this story to my attention. And I was in the car and the Holy Spirit was just like, you know, what's the value without me? And I really took that in and he brought me to this story. And I looked at this woman that had this alabaster jar, right? And we look at that and I thought, what is even that? So of course I Googled it. And in Google, right, it talked about the alabaster jar is one of the most expensive oils you could ever own, right? And we look at this story and I think about how much this woman, we don't know her past. We don't know. All we know is she was a sinner, right? And then we think about her life and she comes with such faith, like Jeanette said, so much faith that she was like, you know what? I will literally give everything. And when we look at the alabaster jar, she pours it on his feet. And I'm just like, okay, if I had oil to just waste on my feet, that's amazing, right? But I look at this woman and there's such a worship to that. There's such a love that stirs so deep in our hearts that this woman said, I am going to pour out everything I have in my heart right now. Because when Jesus is in that moment and we know his heart and we know how much he loves us and how much he sees every moment, right? In that very moment, that woman was like, I need to pour it all out because what's the cost of my life without him if I don't pour everything on his feet, everything in my life, every relationship, everything that could be chaotic, everything that could be confusing in this world, right? And I, when I read that story, it's just like such an intimate moment. So I thought we could just close our eyes for a second. And I want us to just picture Jesus. And I do this with the kids a lot. But in that moment, we have this moment, we picture Jesus in this intimate moment, he sees all the things we think about. He sees all the things on our heart. He sees all the things we walk through every day. And what's so cool is he's smiling right at you in every moment, no matter what it looks like. We can open our eyes. <laughs> so as we go into this, we're going to hop in. All right. 
I want to go to our verse, Matthew 10, 39. And it says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And when I look at that, I think about this woman and she just clinged to Jesus. Just a cling, right? Like a keychain. Like you guys know those little old keychains where you just put it on your little hoop, right? He was like, I'm, she's like, I'm clinging to Jesus. And there was a moment when I spent time with the Lord, like, here's a little story, but when I was, it was about two years ago, I grew up with my grandma. She raised me. And I went through this really interesting season. It was very hard, one of the hardest seasons of my life. But she has a dementia now. And she had to go to a nursing home. So I had to, you know, make that new season of life, you know, sell our house, like all those things. And in that moment, right, I'm thinking, this is all chaos, constant chaos, right? Noise, noise, decisions. What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this situation? And I thought to myself in this moment, I got to come back to Jesus. Because when I try to make sense of everything, when I try to make this happen on my own, that never ends well, (laughs) right? Just to be honest, right? And when I come back to Jesus, and I I remember this moment, I come back to the kids' room, I was like, I'm going to spend time with Jesus right now. And I just started walking back and forth, walking back and forth, talking to the Lord. And in that moment, he literally brought, speaking of perfume, my grandma had a very distinct smell, okay? And I hadn't seen her. It was like during COVID. We couldn't really visit her. And um, in my time with the Lord, I could just smell like her perfume. And I look at that situation and I'm just like, the world, God is so much closer than anything this world could offer. Anything. And so I look at that situation and I'm like, of course it's perfume. And like the Holy Spirit brought that memory. But I was just in worship and I was just like, God, you are so much closer than the one person I care so much about. You're so much closer than anything that I could ever experience in my life. And that's what I pictured in this story is with this woman. She comes back. She literally gets on her knees and she's just like, I'm pouring everything I could have in this moment. Because Jesus is that beautiful. He holds that much glory. And when we worship and we lift up our hands and worship, we're just saying, Jesus, every moment, every chaos, anything I don't understand, you are everything. And so I want us, I want to challenge us. Let's cling to Jesus, right? Cling to Jesus and whatever that's going on in your life. The things that you think about, the moment when you lay your head on the pillow, the things that no one else knows, right? So go ahead, worship team, we're going to come on up. But I'm going to read this last verse. And um, the Lord really spoke to me about just this devotion. When we cling to him, it's a devotion. It's a loyalty. So I looked up the word devotion. And it says, whoops, sorry. Deep love and loyalty, active giving and showing effort. And I look at the story when we go back to 
verse 47 through 50, what Jeanette read, it says, I tell you, her sins, they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man? And then Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So I think about devotion, a deep love. You can't have a deep love without peace, right? With Jesus, we have a deep love. There's a peace that comes with that. And every moment, so when I was going through that chaotic situation and I didn't know what was going on, right? Jesus, even though things are, there's noise, things are happening in our lives, right? Jesus comes in and he says, cling to me. I'm all you need in everything we do, in everything we have. And I think about just how amazing this woman honestly is to be like, I'm letting everything go. I don't, he knows everything I've done. Jesus knows everything we think about, but I'm coming to Jesus with such a faith and such a confidence that it's not about me. It's about Jesus 100%. And so I want to read this last verse. It's um, from, by in Psalms and David. If you know the story of David, he was a shepherd. He was alone a lot, right? And he had spent a lot of time with Jesus. He worshiped. And I don't know if any of you know, like it's hard sometimes to be alone, right? To be like, I don't know what's going on or whatever that situation is. But in Psalms 63, 1 through 11, it says, Oh God, my life, I'm lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. I thirst with the deepest longings to love you more, with cravings in my heart that can't be described. Such yearning grips my soul for you. My God, I'm energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary to seek more of your power and drink in more of your glory. Verse 3, for your tender mercies mean more to me than life itself. How I love and praise you, God. Daily I worship you passionately with all my heart. My arms wave to you like banners of praise. I overflow with praise when I come before you. For the anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. You are such a rich banquet of pleasure to my soul. I lie awake every night thinking of you and reflecting on how you help me like a father. Like a father. In every moment, I sing through the night under your splendor shadow, offering up to you my songs of delight and joy. With passion, I pursue and cling to you because I feel your grip on my life and I keep my soul close to your heart. I just love that Jesus is just that close to nothing else compares. Not nothing in this world, nothing that you can think of, not the finest clothes, not the best oil, right? The best perfume, nothing can compare to the love that Jesus wants to just pour out on us. And so in this moment, I want us to go ahead and stand on up I just want us to think about Jesus and go back to that moment with just you and him. So we're just going to close our eyes right now. Just think about Jesus. 
and let that love, that love that stirs up so deep in you, and you're just like, Jesus, I'm going to lay it all at your feet right now. Whatever's happened this past week, whatever's happened in this year, Jesus, we give it all to you. It's your love. It's your grace. And we thank you, God, that we get to be so confident in your love, Jesus. We cling to you like never before. We walk away today what, um, with a confidence that we are changed because you are so life-changing, Jesus. Your presence changes everything. So in this moment, let's just close our eyes and just tell them, say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I thank you.